is the sweetest name I know. Come on, tell it like this. Oh, how I love the name Jesus. Oh, how I love the name Jesus. It is the sweetest name I know. Come on, give him praise. I feel him in this building right now. Speak the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. No other name I know. Luke chapter 2 verse 11. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Just one verse of Scripture. Says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And for a few moments this morning, I simply want to preach about a revelation at the cross. Would you put your Bibles down and one more time, clap your hands and give God a great praise all across this sanctuary. Come on. Come on, let's thank him today. See, I feel like just keep it, Jesus, Jesus. Hey, y'all be seated. We're going to mess this whole place up. When the angel from heaven stepped out of the portals of glory and proclaimed the announcement of the birth of Jesus. He was not announced by the angels as a healer. He was not announced by the angels as a miracle worker. He was not announced by the angels as a counselor but rather the angel stepped out on the portals of heaven and declared, born unto you this day in the city of David is a savior. While I thank God for the proclamation of the prophet Isaiah that he is wonderful, he is counselor, he is the mighty God, he is the everlasting father, he is the prince of peace, I came to declare unto you that there is no greater revelation of who he is than the fact that he is a savior. 
I'm glad to know he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I'm glad to know he's Jehovah Rofika. I'm glad to know he's Elohim. I'm glad to know that he's El Elyon. I'm glad to know uh, that he's Jehovah's shit canoe. Uh, I'm glad to know that he's the wheel uh, in the middle of the wheel. Uh, I'm glad to know uh, that he's the bright and the morning star. Uh, I'm thankful for the revelation uh, that he's Alpha and Omega. Uh, I'm thankful to declare uh, that he's the beginning uh, and he is the end. Uh, I'm glad that he is the lion uh, and he is the lamb slain. Uh, from the foundation but can I declare unto you this morning that the greatest proclamation of who he is he is Jesus Christ our Savior I need somebody in the building to thank God this morning I'm glad he blesses me but I'm more thankful that he saved me I'm glad he healed me but I'm even more grateful that he rescued me I'm thankful he opened the door but I'm even more grateful that he is my Savior somebody give him praise His fulfillment of prophecy was that of a savior. In the book of Genesis, even all the way back to when Eve had her first child, she birthed Cain. And you can read it in verse number four. She said, this is the child. Even back then, they were already looking for the promise and the prophecy of a Savior. But it would be another 77 generations before the angel finally stood out on the portals of eternity and declare this day is born to you a savior he came to save us he said for this cause came I into the world to seek and to save that which is lost I hate to break your bubble this morning but he didn't come just so you could have a new house and he didn't come just so you could have a nice car and he didn't come just so you could be blessed but he came to save humanity come on I need somebody in the building tell your neighbor he is a savior and there is no way to discuss the savior without discussing the cross Calvary is the greatest day ever known to humanity. Calvary was the greatest moment in the eternal existence of all things known by humanity. Calvary is at the very center of all space and time everything in our bible points forward in the old testament to calvary and everything after points backward to calvary 
Calvary is the very centerpiece of our creator's interaction with mankind. It is so powerful. And I'm glad for the revelation that it's real. Thank you for the 10 believers in the building. I said I'm grateful for the revelation that it's real. It is so real that even if you are an atheist or an agnostic and, you have, and you're doing your scientific and historical studies, when you write down the dates according to your studies, your pen has to proclaim B.C. and A.D. Even to the unbeliever, they've got to write it down on their paper before Christ and after death. Hey, I came to serve notice to somebody in the building. Thank God for Calvary. It is the greatest thing that ever happened to humanity. It is the greatest plan that God ever made for us. Somebody in the building ought to give God a praise for Calvary this morning. Come on, come on. Uh, Jesus lived 33 uh, and a half years uh, and then he died uh, on Calvary's cross uh, and everything we have ever hoped for uh, depends uh, on that cross. It did happen. He was born in a manger and he died on a cross. And it was on that very day that the sky was darkened and the earth was shaken. It was a day of tumult and confusion when they crucified our Savior. I want to preach to you this morning Concerning those that were there as eyewitnesses of the greatest moment in eternity. You understand that that day in Jerusalem, many of the crowd that was there were not there because of what was about to happen on Golgotha's hill. As a matter of fact, most of them were just there out of routine and it just so happened that they were caught up in what became a mass riot and a lynching of an innocent man. And to those people who were just caught up in the crowd that day, it meant nothing to them. They had no understanding. They had no perspective concerning that man that was hanging on the cross that day. 
day. They were just casual passers-by. They were there trying to go through the normal routine of life. But then there were some who were in the crowd that day that knew what the cross meant. They didn't know who Jesus was, but they understood in their society that a crucifixion was a method of death that was saved only for the worst of criminals. It wasn't your average criminal that was hung on a cross, only the very bottom of society and so it was that they may have not known who Jesus was but as they saw my precious Jesus lifted up on that cross there were those in society that looked in disgust and said there is the worst among us there is the dregs of society that probably deserve every bit uh, of what they are receiving uh, on that cross. And then there were some in the crowds that day that they had no commitment to Jesus as it were, but, uh, but they had stood in the crowd and, and they had seen some of the good things that he had done. They had watched him feed the hungry and they had watched him heal blinded eyes and though it was unexplainable, it was undeniable to them. And so even though they had no direct relationship with Jesus, there were many in the crowd that believed that he was a good man, that maybe he was a philanthropist, if you will, who was willing to do good deeds for people uh, and that he was probably just somebody uh, that was misunderstood uh, to some degree or the other. Uh, and then there were even others in the crowd that day who felt strongly and they had heard and felt what Jesus had brought in his ministry. And they were convinced that he was more than a good man. Some of them even convinced that he was at the very least a prophet. It was Jesus that asked the question who do men say that I the son of man am and the response was some say that thou art John the Baptist or Elias or some say that you are Jeremiah or one of the prophets there were those in the crowd that were convinced he was not just a good philanthropist or a good citizen but there was indeed something special about this man uh, and that it was probably unjust uh, that he would be relegated uh, to die on a cross. And then there were those disciples who knew who he was. There were those disciples that ironically, the Bible says, stood afar off. They were convinced 
that he was more than a good man. They knew beyond the shadow of doubt uh, that he was more than a prophet. Uh, They understood with revelation uh, as Peter declared, uh, Thou art uh, the Christ, uh, the Son uh, of the living God. Uh, They understood that this man was the Christos. Uh, He was the anointed one. Uh, He was God uh, manifest in the flesh. Uh, Who is this man? We know who he is. Yet they are steeped uh, in their fear uh, and their challenges uh, because in their mind uh, they cannot reconcile the earthly ministry uh, and eternal ministry of Jesus. Uh, And so they ask questions uh, such as the one we find in Acts chapter 1. Will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Uh, They were convinced that maybe somehow uh, he was certainly king of the Jews uh, but that maybe he had an earthly kingdom uh, and so as they watched him on a cross uh, their mind could not reconcile uh, we understand who he is uh, but how can a king uh, with all power in his hands uh, be hanging on a cross Uh, how can this man uh, that helped everybody else uh, be hanging helplessly uh, onto a cross Uh, what they did not have the revelation of uh, is that Jesus said no man takes my life from me but I willingly lay it down oh I came to preach this morning nobody took him by force nobody made him do it it was the decision of God almighty to lay his life down and he said if I lay it down I can pick it up again Yet they make up the constituency of the crowd that day. You would have thought that his disciples would have been the closest to the cross. You would have thought sometimes the people you think are going to be there for you. And instead they're hiding. In one place the Bible says they all fled. One of them's over here cussing people out, denouncing that he even knows him. You see, there's a real challenge that comes to our faith. When we know God has all power, yet he chooses not to exercise it. Can I just stop and preach for a moment to somebody? When you know he can heal you, but he lets you lay there sick in the bed. When you know he can deliver you, but God doesn't open the door to let you out of the trouble that you're in. I wish I had a witness in the building. When you sing songs that say nothing is impossible for him, and yet God lets you live in an impossible situation. Situation. Your faith uh, can be shaken and tried. It was so much so that even John the Baptist sent word from the prison to Jesus. He said, I need you to ask him a question for me. I need you to ask him, is he really the one 
or do I look for another? What bothers me the most about that question is it was John who stood in the waters of the Jordan and looked at him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. How can you, having that kind of revelation, question whether or not he is the legitimate? I just need some real people in the building that have ever had your faith tested before and said, God, I know you can do it, but I got to trust you why you're not doing it for me. I know you can let me out of this prison, so if I'm still here, there's got to be a reason why I know you can heal my body and if I'm not healed then God I've got to trust you and so it is these people that are there that day and then you had the core of the angry crowd that was convinced he was an imposter. And they hated him. And they despised him. They were, I believe, sincere in their hearts, but sincerely wrong. Oh yeah, see you've got to come to the understanding uh, as a mature Christian uh, that sincerity uh, does not always equal truth. People can be sincere uh, and be sincerely uh, wrong. They believed that he was blasphemous when they were trying to figure out who he was and he made the declaration that before Abraham was I am he was declaring unto them that I am God I wish I had a witness in the building am I in the right church he didn't just declare his equality with God although the Bible says he thought it not robbery to be equal with God he declared that he was God and they could not handle his divinity how can this man claim to be able to do things that only God can do only God can can forgive sins only God can do those things you see so many people get caught up in the devilish doctrines of the trinity the false idea that he is three separate people I don't have time to preach it all today, but we're created in the image of God. And if God is three, then I would be three. I don't have time to preach it all. But you see, the devil has no problem with his divinity. That's right. Satan understands. Satan has a better revelation than some people do. James says, the devils know that there is one God, and they do tremble. Hell understands that he is the father, uh, that he is the son, uh, that he is the... Hell doesn't have a problem with his deity. 
As a matter of fact, when Jesus showed up uh, to the Gadarenes uh, and those demons from that man began to speak, uh, they said, oh, Lord, uh, are thou here to torment us uh, before our time? Uh, They recognized uh, who they were dealing with. Uh, They didn't have a problem with his deity. Uh, Hell had a problem with his humanity. Uh, You're supposed to be in the heavenlies. Uh, What are you doing in our territory? Uh, What are you doing? Why did you come to torment us? Uh, before hell has no problem with his deity Uh, hell has a problem with his humanity and so they hated him and you had many different perspectives of the cross that day you had those that really didn't know who he was And they thought that he was probably just a really bad man. And that's why he died on the cross. You had those that felt like he was a good man, a good person who did good things. You had those that knew he was more than a good person, that there was something special about him, that maybe he was even one of the prophets. Then you had those believers uh, that said, we know who uh, he is. Uh, We've watched his miracles. Uh, We've heard his words. Uh, He is the Messiah. Uh, He is uh, the Christos. Uh, And then you had those uh, that hated him uh, and rejected who he was. But there were four more people there that had a unique perspective of the cross that day. There were four there that day who were close enough to witness every detail. They saw the sweat and the blood dripping down my Savior's face. They were close enough, Brother Stewart, to hear the agonizing groans coming from him that sounded like that of a dying and a wounded animal. They were firsthand witnesses of the death of Jesus. They stood there as he went up and down in what they called riding the cross. First, lifting themselves through the nail that was through their bones and tendons of their feet, trying to catch air, but because of the pain, slumping back down to relieve the pressure. And then when they run out of breath, they would do it over and over again as they suffocated in agony and pain up and down on the cross there were four who were right there that had some perspectives that I want to talk about this morning the first person that was there next to him as he was on the cross was a woman by the name of Mary who was the mother of Jesus and when she looked at at his face and when she saw the crown of thorns shoved into his head and the torn flesh and the blood dripping off of his face she did not see a good man she did not even see a rabbi or a master but what Mary saw was her little son her perspective was that 
of a mama. And when she looked up at him that day, she didn't see what everybody else saw. She saw her baby boy hanging on that cross. And no doubt, she began to reminisce as only a mama can reminisce. That day in Bethlehem, when she held him for the first time and her memory flooded with the events, she watched him struggle as a young boy. She, Oh yeah, he struggled as a young child. He struggled as an adult. The Bible says, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all manners tempted like we are, yet without sin. He knew what it was like to be rejected. He knew what it was like to be talked about. He knew what it was like to go through hard times. He knew what it was like to be lied about. He knew what it was like for all of those things. And she remembered. Nobody like a mama can remember her son being done wrong by people. And here he is up on the cross, an innocent man that did nothing. And she sees and remembers the humanity of her baby boy. And I'm so thankful this morning to understand and have a revelation that we serve a God that knows how I hurt. And I serve a God that knows what I've been through. And I serve a God that knows what heartache is. I came to preach to somebody in the building a revelation at the cross that you serve a God that knows what it's like to be where you're at. He's not so high that he can't feel your pain. I'm glad to know I serve a God that knows what it's like to be disappointed. I serve a God that knows what it's like to be lonely. I know a God, I serve a God that understands what it feels like uh, to be empty uh, inside. Uh, Mary saw him as a son. I came to preach to somebody. Uh, he knows all about your hurt. Uh, he knows uh, all about your pain. He knows what you're going through. That's why when you're going through a struggle, uh, you don't need your BFF. Uh, you need Jesus. I feel like preaching to somebody in the building. That's why when life has dealt you challenges, you need to stop running to your best friend. You need to stop running to the telephone. Stop running to Instagram and Facebook to tell the world about all your trouble. You need to run to the foot of the cross and talk to Jesus because he knows what you're going through. He knows what you're dealing with. He understands like nobody else. She saw him as a son. And then there was another woman, interestingly, that was there at the foot of the cross with his mama. 
And her name was also Mary. She was what most theologians, theologians believe or who they believe was Mary Magdalene. She wasn't driven back by the crowd. She wasn't held back by her fear of being implicated with him because there was something she understood that was different than them. She understood him as a deliverer. When she looked at Jesus, she didn't see a philanthropist or a prophet or a good man or even a son. But when she looked at him hanging there, she saw a deliverer. Oh, you've got to understand, baby, her story. When Jesus found her, she had what could have been maybe seven devils in her and she was living in a lifestyle in a circle of people with a death wish on her when Jesus found her and said where are your condemners she said I don't have any Lord neither do I condemn thee go and sin no more there's nobody that'll stick close to Jesus like somebody that's been delivered there's nobody that'll stick close to the foot of the cross like somebody that knows him as a deliverer. I just need a witness in the building that would lift your voice like this little woman that said I know too well what it's like to come out of sin. I know too well what it's like to be delivered from the hand of the enemy. That's why you'll never run me out of church because he's been too good to me. It wasn't your blood that redeemed me. It wasn't your life given on a cross. It wasn't your sacrifice. It was my deliverer. It was Jesus. So you can run if you want to. If you can leave this, then I'll pray for you. But there's no way. Even when the disciples ran, this little woman said, I got to stay at the foot of the cross. I don't care what anybody else does. I've got to be close because it's at the feet of Jesus that I found mercy. It's at the feet of Jesus that I found forgiveness. It's at the feet of, I wish I had a church of delivered folk in the building that understood what it's like to know him as a deliverer. I wish some ex-drug addicts would just show him your love. I wish some ex-alcoholics would give him a praise. I wish some ex-prostitutes would dance for Jesus. I wish somebody in the building that knows he's a deliverer would give him praise today. Come on. Come on. I don't know what you see him as, but I see him as my deliverer. I don't know what you know him as, but I know him as a way maker. That's why I love him. 
That's why I've got to give him praise. That's why I can't sit quiet in a church service. Because the Bible says, uh, to whom much is given, uh, much uh, is uh, required. And maybe God didn't have to do anything to help you out. And maybe you were so good that God didn't have to do much to bring you into righteousness. But if you only knew the depths of the pit that God drug me out of. If you only knew the stains of sin that God had to wash away. If you only knew the depths that he had to. I've got to get. I owe him too much. If I had 10,000 years I couldn't give him enough praise. Uh, If I had 10,000 tongues, uh, I couldn't pray. That's why every time uh, I come in this place, uh, I've got to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Uh, I've got to enter his courts uh, with praise uh, because he delivered me. So pardon me this morning uh, if I get carried away. uh, Pardon me if you look over uh, and I've got tears rolling down my face uh, while the word is being preached. Uh, Pardon me uh, if my shoes are over in my seat uh, while I'm giving God the praise. Uh, You don't understand uh, what he's done for me. Uh, She bore the shame. Uh, She bore the rejection. Uh, And she came uh, to the foot of the cross uh, because he's my deliverer. Bible says, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God. You, you, uh, can I just preach this morning? You used to be a tramp, and now you're God's princess. You ought to give him praise. Come on, you used to be a pimp, uh, and now you're a prince, uh, an heir to the throne. Uh, you got to give him praise. I just need a few people that aren't afraid to give God a praise. Uh, if you think I came to look cute, uh, you got another thing coming. Uh, I didn't save myself. Uh, I didn't learn myself out of bondage. Uh, the only reason uh, I'm even here today uh, is by the mercy uh, and the grace. Uh, oh, you better give him praise. Uh, you better give him praise that you should show forth uh, the praise uh, of him uh, that has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Come on, you used to cuss like a sailor and now you got his praises on your lips. You used to have a filthy mind and now you've got the mind of Christ. Come on, you've got to give him praise. You've got to give him praise. Come on, you used to sell drugs on the street and now you're passing out church invitations. You've got to give him praise. I feel like stopping here for a moment uh, because too many people forget uh, about where God brought them from. Uh, Don't you ever forget uh, that the Bible says uh, you are saved uh, by the word uh, of your testimony. Uh, The devil's not afraid of your pretty dress. 
Look at you. When God found you, you were broke, busted, and disgusted. And you used to run the aisles. And you used to dance. But now God's blessed you. And you got a little something. And you're dare going to sit there in your nice suit and dress like you did it for the devil is a liar. You better testify. You better never forget where God brought you from. You better never forget what hole he dug you out of. You better praise him like the day he found you. You better praise him like the day he found you in the Come on. I think God is tired uh, of people that come into church uh, and as long as your life was messed up, uh, you would pray, uh, you would worship, uh, you'd do everything, but let him bless you a little bit. Uh, let him bring a little peace to your life uh, and you forget all about him uh, and you walk around like you're calm, cool, uh, and collected. Uh, you better not forget uh, what God has uh, blessed the Lord, uh, oh my soul, uh, and forget uh, not uh, all uh, of his uh, benefits. Somebody with some benefits, give him praise. Somebody that's been blessed, give him praise. Uh, somebody that's been set free, uh, give him praise. God, don't you ever let me forget uh, that I'm nothing but a boy from the hood uh, that you saved and rescued. Uh, God, don't let me ever forget uh, that I came from generations uh, of dysfunction, uh, but it was your blood uh, that gave me a new bloodline. Uh, it was your name uh, that gave me a new family tree. Uh, don't let me ever forget. Just like there's different people in the crowd that day, there's different people in the crowd today. People looking at the same cross and the same Jesus, some believing him and some with unbelief, some despising him and others just thankful to be in his presence. There was another one there that day at the foot of the cross. A man by the name of John. He was at the foot of the cross the day Jesus died. And he didn't see Jesus the way Mary, the mother of Jesus, or Mary Magdalene did. His primary focus wasn't that Jesus was a deliverer, but instead he saw Jesus in a very special way also. When he looked up into the face of Jesus, he saw his friend. He saw his friend. 
Oh, yes, uh, you read the word of the Lord if you're a theologian and you study. Uh, you understand that the gospel of John is written uh, in completely different context uh, than the other synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, it is written in a completely different context. Uh, and over and over again, uh, John refers to himself uh, as the disciple uh, whom Jesus uh, loved. Uh, his whole defining uh, self-definition uh, was the fact uh, that Jesus uh, is uh, my uh, friend. Uh, not too many people in the Bible uh, are described that way. Uh, maybe Enoch uh, who spent some intimate times with God. Uh, Abraham uh, uh, was called the friend of God. Uh, and obviously John uh, was Jesus' friend. Uh, he was close to Jesus uh, in a way that nobody else uh, was. Uh, he stood closer uh, to Jesus uh, than the rest of the disciples. Uh, as a matter of fact, in one place, uh, we find Jesus teaching uh, and John is sitting next to him uh, with his head resting uh, on the chest uh, of Jesus. Uh, their relationship uh, was so close uh, that all of the rest of the disciples uh, died torturous deaths. Uh, but the word from Jesus uh, declared that John would not. Uh, and he was the only disciple uh, that did not hang upside down on a cross uh, or be boiled uh, in a vat of oil. Uh, he died of natural causes. Uh, when John looked uh, at Jesus, uh, he said, I see him uh, as my very uh, best uh, friend. Uh, and I want to preach to somebody in the building uh, that he is a friend uh, that sticketh closer uh, than a brother. Uh, I came to preach to somebody in the building. Uh, don't you build your walk with God on human friendships. I'm going to preach this for a moment. Uh, don't build your walk with God on human relationships and friendships. Why? Because people will let you down. People are imperfect. People have trouble. And guess what? You're a people too. You're going to let people down. You're going to come short. And if your walk with God is built on human friendships, when those friendships are shaken, so will your faith in God. You've got to build your life on a relationship with a friend that never fails. With a friend that's always there. With a friend that always uh, understands uh, somebody give God a praise uh, because he is uh, a friend. He's a friend. I feel like stopping here for a moment <laughs> because some of us have the wrong definition of a real friend. Hear me. And because your definition of a real friend is wrong, you've got the wrong people around you as your friends. You think that real friends are people who always agree with you. You think that real friends are people that will stick up for you even when you're wrong. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. I can hear a rat licking ice all the way in my office this morning. And so you have surrounded yourself with an echo chamber. 
But the Bible says concerning friends that faithful are the wounds of a friend. And the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Your real friends are not the people that when you're messed up in your thinking that pat you on the back and feel sorry for you. Those aren't your friends. As a matter of fact, they're being used by the enemy uh, to destroy you. I'm not backing up one inch. When my spirit's wrong uh, and I'm doing wrong uh, and I'm thinking wrong, uh, the last thing I need uh, is somebody uh, to pat me on the back uh, and say you're right uh, and they're wrong uh, and feel sorry for me. You're sending me to hell. Uh, You're messing me up. Uh, If I got a real friend, uh, they'll look me in the eye uh, and say I love you, uh, but you're wrong. Uh, You've got to get it right. Uh, You've got to repent. Come on somebody uh, you've got to get the real uh, kind of friends in your life uh, that you need and he's that kind of a friend he'll chastise you when you need chastised and he'll love you like nobody else can love you John saw him as a friend. Music come, I'm, I'm almost done. But the fourth person saw him in his most significant role. He saw him at his greatest purpose. This man was not at the foot of the cross, but he hung on a cross next to Jesus. You see, one of the thieves on the cross did not recognize Jesus for who he was. But the other thief saw him in his most significant role. He saw him as a savior. I'm glad He was a son because he can be touched with the feelings of my infirmities. And I'm glad he's a deliverer because many of us would not even be in this room today. And I'm glad for his friendship because there were times in my life that that's all I had. But what I'm really thankful for today is that he was a savior. When the thief looked over yonder, he... he, he, did, he, did, he said uh, he understood that no man uh, could save him. Uh, and when he looked at Jesus, uh, he realized, uh, I cannot save myself. Uh, and there's no one that's going to intervene. Uh, but with that moment of revelation uh, came the understanding uh, that hanging right here uh, next to me uh, is uh, my Savior. I came to preach to somebody in the building uh, that God's greatest concern uh, in your life today uh, is the salvation uh, of your soul. Uh, His greatest concern uh, is in the food on your table. Uh, It's not the car you're driving. Uh, It's not the things that you think uh, matter the most. Uh, The most important uh, revelation uh, you can ever have of God is that he uh, is uh, a savior. 
want us to stand all over this place. He understood that day that I don't have no other options. He understood that day that all of the efforts of his life were in vain. Everything he had worked for, anything that mattered for him had been reduced to this very moment. And it was only in that moment that he truly experienced the greatest revelation of who Jesus is. He is my Savior. And I'm preaching to people all over this sanctuary today. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what your perspective is. I don't know your motives or reasons for being here today. But God knows. And God knew you would be here. And can I tell you that the greatest thing he wants to reveal to you today is that he is your Savior. And all he needs is somebody that will position themselves like the thief on that cross did. He hung there naked before Jesus. I know it's figurative, but you've got to come to Jesus and get everything off of you. You've got to be willing to strip down to get in the presence. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody in the building. You've got to be willing to strip that fake look off your face and get in front of Jesus with those tears. You've got to be willing to strip that fake image that you've been trying to paint for everybody else to think about you uh, and you've got to get in front of Jesus uh, and say Lord uh, I messed up uh, I did some wrong things uh, my life's upside down uh, but Lord here I am uh, in front of you uh, this very day uh, I came to preach to somebody in the building uh, that God said this very day uh, you're going to be with me uh, in paradise uh, he's a right now God uh, he's a God that wants to rescue you uh, right now come on I'm preaching to somebody in the building that thief was at his last straw he was at the very last moment of his life I don't care how desperate your situation is if you would run to this altar and lift your hands this morning your savior is in the building today your savior come on all over this building nobody looking around I want you to come right now come on here they come here they come. Step out of your seat. Uh, come on, step out of your seat. He's here right now. Uh, God's here right now. Uh, he wants to touch you. Uh, he wants to rescue you. Uh, he wants to wrap his arms around you. Come on. Uh, come on, all over the building, would you come? Uh, I'm asking the rest of the church to come uh, and find somebody to pray with right now. Uh, come on, step out of your seat. Uh, and come find somebody to pray with uh, in this place right now. Come on. I'm preaching about a revelation uh, at the cross. He's my Savior. He's not just a son. He's not just my friend. But He is my Savior today. Come on, lift up your voice. I need you, Jesus. Take me to that place, Lord. Lift up your voice.
All over this place. Come on. Come on. He's your Savior today. He knows where you're at. He knows what you've been through. He knows what's troubling you. And He's here to save you. He's here to save you today. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, pray, church. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. I need help praying right here. Church, I need help praying this morning. Uh, these altars are full of people praying. If you've got the Holy Ghost, uh, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you ought to be praying with somebody right now. That's where I belong. Where I belong. Come on. Come on, church, help me pray with somebody. Church, help me pray. Your Savior is here. Come on, church. Find somebody to pray with. Find somebody to people to pray in the Holy Ghost. I need some people to pray in the Holy Ghost. 